Yeah, I'm like Neo now. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. That's Morpheus. Jurassic Views, Bryce Diamond, and folks, we have ourselves a reunion. It's been five weeks. You all know you've, you've probably suffered long through this last five weeks. It's been five weeks without Zaya Quiena on the show. He's back, but not just one return, but another return. Brian Diamond, the Diesel himself, also back on Jurassic Views. Zyquiana, Brian Diamond, joining the show. Thank goodness. How are you two? Sanity returns. <laughs> hey, well, first things first. Uh, what's up, y'all? And, um, you know, mad respect to, to, to my man B for holding it down for five weeks for oh gosh feels like even more um i'm catching up on the episodes and they were uh incredible flawless uh a range of humor um poignant in in breaking down the game um uh that was uh that was a great uh, a great run man so thanks for holding it down I'm glad you got that text from Bryce with all those comments. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will say that in the recording room, which is really just my bedroom, uh, I had a picture of you, Zaya, uh, hoping that you would return. But, it, you know, at some points, it I think I started talking as if you were in the room because you I was looking at the picture for so long. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was tough, man. It was tough being uh, solo in these episodes. But luckily, as uh, somehow I got saved with, uh, with this idea of having guests yeah. on the pod as well. So that was, that was big. But it is much better to have you both back. We got a double confessional here on a Sunday service. And we could talk about <laughs> the easy victory against the Golden State Warriors, but we're not going to do Santa, or Santa Or Santa Cruz Warriors. <laughs> but we're, we're not going to do that. We're not going to talk about all the guys who were out last night and all the COVID protocols that and restrictions that players in the league have, have gone through. We're going to talk about kind of some big picture stuff today. And let's start with, let's start with the fact that we've had a number of close games over the course of the last two weeks. Some we've survived. Others we've, I would say, given up. How are you two feeling about what we've done in late game scenarios, especially on the offensive end? Well, unfortunately, I'm a little biased here because I think that the three blind men or women on the court 
have influenced some of the uh, decisions made. Wow. I have not been happy with a lot of the officiating, but especially in the last five, six games. Mm. So interesting. Interesting. I think they've influenced the outcomes more than we mm. sometimes give it. Yeah. Yeah. We look at the players, the coaches, but I think I think the refereeing decisions. Mm. Uh, so that's my that's my only first initial take. Yeah. We'll get to your opinion on the actual X's and O's. Zai, any initial takes on how we've executed in late game scenarios? Uh, well, I think it's easy to uh, critique the players uh, on on a range of uh, issues, right? In terms of decision making, uh, what's their process? Uh, what's their what's their experience like in being in these types of situations? Um, and I think we also have to look at the coach. Right, uh, Nick Nurse. Right, is he designing the right types of plays um, for these players um, in order for them to uh, lead them with the you know with the final outcome, which is a win? However, I think several weeks ago we talked about this season being about winning as well as development, and so we have to also um, temper our expectations so when they are in these final minute uh, scenarios um, with the game on the line, we have to look at it as an opportunity for them to gain experience, to learn. This is part of their learning curve um, for all of them, uh, Fred Van Vliet included, if we want to take that into consideration with the last game um, that went to the wire against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, that's part of the experience, right? When Kyle Lowry, you know, first joined the club, uh, <coughs> the team years ago, and you know those first few years with uh, with Demar, um, uh, you know the 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 end of game decisions were questionable. There was bickering between him and um, Coach Casey, um, bickering as in terms of like just a normal bickering between a player and a coach. Um, and so that's part of the learning curve. And so we have to, we have to weigh it out. Um, so I, I, I do agree with Diesel though. I mean, there's, I, I, there's been criticism across the board from different types of journalists as it relates to the officiating, but, um, uh, but this also, this also was happening last year. Remember when uh, Pascal Siakam was just not executing? Right. Yeah. In the in the final in the final minutes, seconds even. So, again, a lot of the a lot of it also stems from I, I'll just reiterate it. This is the development process. And I think we have to take in um, the good with the bad uh, with this team uh, if we really want them to realize their potential. Um, I'm 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 more awaiting what this with the final set, you know, the, the final scenarios of execution. For, for, I'm looking forward to how this looks uh, at the end of the season, right? When, when, whether we're in the play-in or in the playoffs, right? So this is part of the learning curve in order for us to build for, for, for something um, greater, which is uh, in the postseason. So 
But you know, another thing, Zaya, that, that's raised by that, that I think is out of Nick's hands in one respect, but also maybe a, a fault, is just the inconsistency in the roster, the, the players who are available. Like, right. it, I, I don't know how they determine who's out there, but sometimes physically the guy isn't there available, but also sometimes in a game you go, where was that guy who played for second quarter was really contributing and you never, you never see him again. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's a Nick nurse decision or. Yeah. I, there's one particular uh, play that I think needs to, we need to ask ourselves and, you know, I, I trust Nick nurse's uh, IQ and experience and insight more than that. You know, I lean on mine, but you know, Chris Boucher has been one to have made several to be making consistently right mistakes throughout the game, and, and and he may not be the right person that I would want at the end of a game. However, you also don't have any choice because mm. at least early in the week he was the only big man available, right? Uh, and at, in the active roster, the other big man was Isaac Bonga. Right and 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 Justin Champagny. So I don't know if those are um, options that Nick Nurse will consider. So and and lo and behold, uh, Chris Boucher makes a mistake on a defensive rotation. Right, uh, knowing full well, hey, you're up three. Leave a someone to make a ba- You know, to leave them take a two. You know, take a you know run. You know, to drive to the basket, but. There was that split second, there was that mistake. So um, the execution is not just on offense, right? The execution mm-hmm. is also on defense. And I think that's a, that's part of the development process. And and, and it, it's hard to, to chew on, but we also have to be realistic with who's actually on the court. Now, I've, you know, rewatched the highlights of – uh, a number of these close games, because I'm I'm curious what happens on the floor. Who's who's doubling when they shouldn't? Who's kind of leaving a guy a little more open than he should? Uh, who's getting stuck on pick and rolls in the switch? Uh, these kind of things. Uh, but you can o- obviously do that in the offensive side too. And I've seen a lot of photos of of late specifically with the Brooklyn Nets loss and the loss to OKC of pictures with Fred with the ball and Gary wide open on the three-point line. What are your thoughts on Fred's ability to see the floor or even the decision to have Fred and Pascal be the main focus in trying to get a bucket? Are, are they too, uh, you know, blinded uh, are they too uh, narrow in their sight lines uh, or is the play just run for them? What do you think is going on there that there's not a lot of touches from other guys outside of Fred and Pascal? Sometimes I must have, like you're, you're saying, I go, why, uh, why is Fred taking that shot? There's other guys are open because there's two guys double teaming you. Why haven't you uh, released the ball to somebody else? I understand. I I don't know. Is it Fred or is it coach saying, I want you to take the shot? I don't don't know. 
And Pascal, I've used this term talking with uh, Bryce uh, Zaya on the phone. It's, it, there's a lot of inconsistencies. So but everybody has had a good night, but have they been a consistent and, you know, for a week or two weeks? And the, uh, you mentioned Pascal. Pascal was phenomenal one night, 38 points or something. And the next night, he's 16. Mm-hmm. So I know it's a matchup who he's with, but there doesn't seem to be a guy that's the go-to guy who can nail the shot or get loose for the shot. I don't know. Well, this is the first year that Fred has full-time point guard duties, right? There's no Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Right? Uh, and so uh, this is his first year. So uh, at this stage of his career, we have to give him the benefit of the doubt that um, and that he can learn on the job, right? This is the most difficult position to master in the sport of basketball, which is the point guard. Even if we talk about, and I know in the new era, we talk about positionless basketball. At the end of the day, they're still the primary playmaker. Yeah. Um, you can give them whatever title you want, but let's mm-hmm. let's use that. Let's coin it as, you know, the main playmaker. Um, Pascal just doesn't have the repertoire to, to, to actually execute at a high level consistently. Uh, his ball handling skills are, are relatively mediocre. His jump shot um, is, is mediocre as well and has been inconsistent as he's returned from injury. So that makes, by default, Fred the primary guy. Um, and, I, and we know that Fred hasn't always been the pure point guard coming up. So for him to be making the zip passes, for him to be seeing the floor uh, that's something that he's still learning to do consistently at a high level. Uh, the numbers don't lie. I think he's doing, he's exceeding expectations. He's, and the point that I'm making really is that Pascal Siakam, um, we can either decide that that role of primary playmaker um, isn't for him. And he right. is a solid number two. Yeah. Uh, and and just because mm-hmm. of the makeup of our roster right at this moment, that responsibility should fall with Fred because um, he's a he's a much better ball handler. He's a much better uh, uh, jump shooter. Uh, size isn't in, to his benefit to to see the floor to make those types of uh, difficult, challenging passes. But I'm willing to roll the dice with him um, to and put the ball in his hands to make those final decisions. Now, whether that shot, whether he makes that final shot and he defer, or he defers to the open man, whether that's a Gary Trent or OG Ananobi, I'm fine. But another name that has come up, and I think uh, the the NBA blog nerds have been mentioning Scotty. Scotty putting the ball in Scotty Barnes' hands. and say, hey, you know what? If there's someone who, who we want to see develop, and also we think he will be the number one on a, on this team, if not if not next year or you know the years follow following, let's try it now. What's the point? Wow. It's a developing year anyway, so might as well just roll the dice with him. Now that's say that to 
a team with some veterans who won a chip, right. that being Pascal and 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 Fred and OG. So um, that's up. That's obviously that's a decision Nick Nurse has to make. Um, but hopefully, you know, we don't have to succumb to sabotaging either one's development or actually winning the game. Um, but um, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, I've talked to uh, a few people who who kind of run the analytics on this and have uh, also listened to a number of kind of, you know, stat nerds uh, in respect to clutch shooting and, and clutch decision making. And oftentimes there's uh, a predictability that seems to uh I guess, be leaned on in these situations. You know, uh, my dad was just saying uh, off air that when we had Kawhi, obviously Kawhi was that guy. Uh, When we had uh, Kyle, Kyle could make the decisions to either make the shot himself if he had the matchup, but he was looking for Serge. He was looking for Pascal cutting away from the basket. He was able to make that high-level decision-making, but it really did you know, sit on his shoulders. Um, I'm wondering, and uh, I think my dad and others would, would be in this camp possibly too. I'm wondering if it, if it, if it is one guy who's going to get this consistently done, if you have to rely on a, a predictability, on a routine, because that's just how athletes are. That's in a lot of ways how we are as humans. Is OG Ananobi the guy who's going to create the mismatches with his skill set and size? Because Freddie has the skill set. He just doesn't have the size. What do you think about OG being the guy who gets the ball in these clutch situations? If I was uh, looking at the first half of this current season, I'd be going OG because he demonstrated he was 20 points a night. And we lost him, and then we kind of really fell into a funk. I think he's really improved. Yeah. Um, I think he. I think he would be a better choice personally than Pascal. Currently, just uh, I, Pascal seemed to me that he peaked. Right. Two years or three years. Yeah. Ago. Just, like when the bubble peaked. hit, basically. Yes. When the pandemic hits, right. And then, and he's been trying to find that niche that he had at that time, and and he hasn't found it for I, I don't know why. Developing playmakers, he, he hasn't had that opportunity, so that that's fine. But I think the verdict is out with Pascal. Pascal just right. I'm sorry, like he just doesn't even have the the, the playmaking skills. Yeah, at They're that ahead. high level, consistently. Unless it's a mismatch. Yeah. There has been some talk that in that championship run year, he was playing more the small forward position because you could have Gasol, even Ibaka in times, and then Pascal would play the three against a bigger team. And that was his best matchup when he was playing the three. So when you've got OG, Scotty, and him on the floor, when you have that full lineup, then Pascal can actually get the small forward matchup that he wants. 
uh, instead of the power forward spot. And that's the, the question. But I think, I think you're right with talking about Scotty and us bringing up OG. It's probably, I mean, you probably do have to look matchup to matchup to say, who is it that has that smaller advantage. gun? Yeah, who that's is exactly the advantage? And that, that's, that's exactly but it's not just the advantage at this point. It's also who has the refined skills to, to yeah. deliver, right? Yeah. So it's um, at the end of the day, you know, I can, I can, I can do the groceries and, and, and have the highest steam to prepare a huge feast. But if I don't have the culinary skills, right. We're, we're you know, we're, we're ordering out, right. right. Or the food is, dis- or the food is disgusting. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So, um, at the end of the day, he still has to have the, the skill, you know, the thing is he also has the, the contract. That's the big factor yeah. and variable. Right. He has the contract that should justify why he should be that number one. Right. Unfortunately, um, his skills haven't shown to be as advanced as they should be for someone who's deserving of that of that contract and to be number one. So I, one, I, I believe he deserves a contract. I just don't think he's that playmaker when yeah. uh, the game is on the line that you put yeah. hit the ball in his hands. I would still, I'll take him over. What's that guy's name? Who looks like J Cole on the 76ers. Uh, yeah. Harris. Tobias Harris. He's Tobias always the Harris. guy I, I yeah. hit on in these discussions. Yeah. Tobias Harris has a, has a max contract as well. Yeah. He's not a number one. No, you guy, right? So it's it's just the contractual landscape of the league, right? right. Where not just number ones, but number twos, shoot, even number threes are getting max contracts, which is understandable. But um, I think what works for the Toronto Raptors, I just don't. I, I, it's not that I've given up hope uh, in Pascal. I've just I'm eager to see um, other players given given uh, opportunities to be. uh, playmakers in this kind of egalitarian um, committee uh, yeah, of the Toronto offense. Definitely, yeah. It, you know, there's the, the, the two guys I go back and forth with trying to compare Pascal to is, is he a Jason Tatum or is he a Tobias Harris? And I think, you know, the jury's out at this stage that Pascal's more of a Tobias Harris. He's better than Tobias Harris, but that's the guy you got to judge him on rather than Tatum. Uh, and I think maybe the skill set and and the size, just the frame. I think maybe Scotty and OG are more have the potential to get to where Tatum is at better than Pascal does. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, I don't know if this is a good segue to talk about it, but it's it's been brought up several times in the last couple of weeks, and um, but the trade rumors. Right. Yeah. There's and and one player at least that I know of is uh, Miles Turner has been on everyone's mind, uh, tip of the tongue. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Miles Turner for, right. for for a variety of reasons. I think he's a really quality guy, good locker room uh, teammate, and um, and has really you know solid deliverables in terms of skills. But there's other elements as to why I just I don't think I'm willing to pay him to do some of the work that Ken Birch can do, Precious Achua can do, right? And uh, Chris Boucher, you know, uh, inconsistently does. 
Uh, what are your thoughts on some of the trade rumors? Because it has to involve someone on our roster, and and it's not Chris Boucher. Chris Boucher is not a is not a huge trading asset. It's not Drogic. It right. has to be one of the core guys. Yeah. Pascal Siakam's name has come up several times this this off season and also lately. Yeah, who who? I guess there's kind of two decisions. Are we going to wait for these guys to all get healthy and play together? Because we've only had about two games where everybody's been together of this starting group of Pascal, Scotty, OG, Gary, and Fred. Uh, not to knock Ken Birch. I think he's great. But obviously, he doesn't have that high-level potential that these other guys and skill sets that these other guys have. But if you're going to trade, I think that's a great question. Who gets traded and who can you get him for? Like, could you get Pascal Siakam for Ben Simmons? And if you did, would you want him? That That's a, a question, you know, that's out there. Well, uh, yeah, you're right. The I mean, bonus. The bonus would be another guy from Indiana. I know. Uh, but he doesn't do – he's not uh, that switchable um, defensive player that fits the uh, Nick versus yeah. mold, right? Yeah. And so uh, his offensive skills to me is to die for. He, he's he's uh, everything that Marco Saul was and better because he's younger, more athletic, and so on and so forth. Right. But um, <clears throat> there, there were whispers. Diesel was whispering um, um, during that technical disruption, and he was emphasizing OG. I, I think, Bryce, I, we had a conversation – on this, maybe earlier this week about having to choose between OG and Pascal. And I think Diesel probably has already made that decision. Do you want to go into more details? Who would you trade, Dad, between OG and Pascal? Well, in the last four years, OG is the guy that keeps improving. Mm. So if you're going on that improvement, not necessarily potential. Mm. I think you'd be going, I'd, I'd want to keep OG. I'd, I'd give up Pascal. Because Pascal has stayed flat or even diminished a little mm. in the last four years. But there's all kinds of factors. Like it's the guys around you. It's coaching, matchup decisions, injuries. I don't know. I, 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 I don't have a final crystal ball prediction. Oh, yeah, the only thing with OG is that uh, he's been injured. Mm. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And missed games every, almost every season, a significant amount of games every season um, he's been uh, in the league. So, um, except that rookie year where, you know, he, he got that starting gig and he was quite yeah. consistent <clears throat> and impressive. So, um, that's the gamble. But we don't have. But I. But I go with your 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 primary uh, point, which was, let's wait and see when everyone's healthy before making that type of assessment. I agree with you on that. I actually wouldn't trade anyone, and I'll play out this whole season yeah. with the with the core um, yeah. and shut the trade rumors. It's hasty and uh, premature. Like goodness gracious, that's not how you manage a team or an organization. Yeah. And when, when you think that Pascal is 27, OG is 24, uh, Fred Van Vliet is 27. 
Gary Trent Jr. is 22 and Scotty Barnes is 20 years old. Like this team has really three unbelievable years that are about to come. We might not win a championship, but all the ingredients for a championship level team is there. Even if we didn't win it, they're all there, right? Like this is the type of team that you want to assemble to win the chip. Um, I think you got to bet on them from it for at least the rest of this year, if not next year. Yeah. And, and, and if there's any players on the roster that you want to move and then it's the obvious, right. It's, uh, it's tragic. Um, and it's also Chris Boucher. I think, uh, you know, I think uh, you, you know what he brings to the table. Um, and, and I think he's a serviceable big uh, for a team that, that needs that type of athletic um, stretch um, um, four, because I think he plays the four better than he plays the five. Um, and so it's really tweaking our bench because our bench has been um, downright atrocious. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the worst benches actually in terms of scoring output in the league. Um, and, and that means our core plays heavy minutes and also puts themselves, uh, or makes themselves more vulnerable to, to potential injuries, right. Because of those minutes. And so I think the tweaking will have to be on our bench. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm quite fine with that. And it's particularly our front court. We, we just get eaten apart when, when we play big men who are, and it's even Andre Drummond of the world, right. It's so frustrating. Um, so that's the corrective that I that would like yeah. to see moving forward. A name that we uh, have not uh, broached yet is the Canadian who's missed the last couple of games. Is it Banton? Delano, Delano Banton, Rexdale's own. Rexdale, stand up. Uh, I, 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 he's not a shooter yet. Not yet. But in terms of uh, potential, I think he's another guy that <laughs> – He's, he's way beyond what I thought we were getting. I don't know if Nick thought that, but uh, he's showing a lot. Even what I saw during the summer league, I said to myself, well, this guy has potential and he needs in time to grow uh, and develop, uh, especially if he wants to play the point guard position. Again, the most um, difficult, uh, intellectually difficult position to, to, to learn. It, it, for him to learn it in 905, whereas right. the coaching staff has expediated the, his development process by having him be, be the backup to Fred, right? Beating out Drogic and beating out Malachi Flynn. So that's quite impressive. You see, and, and, and to be quite honest, I take into consideration even the mistakes that he's making. I'm like, yeah, he missed the read there. Um, and I think the, I think the scouting report is out on him. And I think that's where he has to now adjust again, right? And that's the, the NBA comes at you very fast, right? And so there's constant adjustments that you have to make, not just game to game, but within the game itself, from quarter to quarter, possession to possession. So uh, if he just has to play 15 minutes uh, to give Fred some breathing room, I'm fine with that, knowing what his capabilities are. However, there's also a name that's come up as a strong backup um, to point guard, and that's, again, I mean, Scotty Barnes. 
they people have said okay maybe just spell Fred with Scotty if Delano continues you know if he's on the injury list right now he's unavailable do you just have Scotty run run point guard with the bench right well that combination of two playmakers and two guys who can really push the ball in transition and make a play or make a bucket I mean those that size goodness yeah gracious. yeah that's uh, that's a deadly combo. Uh, obviously, they have chemistry off the court as well. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a, another kind of for the future kind of look, but a lot to, to develop. These are good problems to have. Yeah, great problems to have. Yeah. Now, we've, we've talked about exceeding expectations. We've, we've seen Scotty exceed expectations with his footwork on the offensive end and his shooting. We've, we've talked about Delano Banton exceeding expectations. This is a guy who is 45th pick in the draft and he was, uh, he's exceeded expectations. He's better than guys who were picked in the top 15 uh, in the draft this year. Uh, some people are saying he's better than Markel Fultz ever was. Um, but there's another guy. There's another play, guy. Uh, sorry to interject. I think they played the Sacramento Kings uh, earlier yeah. in the week. Yeah. Right. Um, some say he's better than Davion Mitchell. Right. Right. Um, especially in terms of projection and potential. Davion yeah. Mitchell. Davion Mitchell was a, was a was a uh, was a lottery pick. Um, so I, again, I don't. I think he's a you know really solid young man, uh, and I wish him all the best. But it seems uh, this is another example of the Sacramento Kings management just, just you know, um, wetting the bed, right? right? Like in terms of the decision making process, <laughs> just <Wetting> not the... <laughs> right? Because it's 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 not very complicated, right? Like why wetting the bed's not complicated? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it, it should like you don't have control over your bladder, and so in this case. In, as a as an adult, right? If you're a yeah. child, then uh, that's another issue. If you're a senior and you have other issues, medical uh, particularly, um, I understand. But it as, depends. It as depends. A, <laughs> but as executives in one of the top league sports leagues in the world, right? Uh, for you to constantly be making yeah. these types of decisions, yeah. You know. Um, you 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 know there's no way of you know you know of of of, of analyzing this it's it's it, you know they 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 use bad judgment you yeah. know um whatever mechanism that they use to make that type of decision um it will be proved wrong and this then is a compliment to the Toronto Raptors right we we can you know we we were the ones that could pick out you know we can grow a rose out of concrete yeah. So um, now we don't want to talk about underperforming. That's a whole other tangent <laughs> that we don't want to go down. Uh, so we're not going to talk about Luke Walton and the Sacramento Kings. But I think getting back to exceeding expectations, there's one guy we, we haven't mentioned who's definitely exceeded expectations. And I think we need to make a call out here, Zaya. We need to call some people out, particularly my father. You've called me out on this. It's time to put my dad under the microscope here. Gary Trent Jr. has exceeded expectations. Now, I have apologized on multiple occasions to him, 
to his father, to his family, to the whole city of Minnesota um, for my uh, lack of belief and confidence in Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. is playing way beyond what we thought he could do. He's playing almost as good as Norm Powell did last year. Uh, Brian Diamond, your thoughts on Gary Trent Jr. And is there an apology that you want to make publicly today? No, but I, I hate to bring up my granddaughter's name, but she switched from Gary Trent Jr. I don't know why to Scotty Barnes. I, I love Scotty Barnes. But Gary Trent, I must apologize. There we go. I'm on my knees. <laughs> it is a confessional. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, Gary, I sold you short. You have played way beyond what I thought you were capable of playing. And I'm happy for it. I'm very happy for it. Uh, listeners, I just want to make sure that you, uh, you hear that <laughs> apology. Um, because uh, February, right? Um, the trade deadline was last year in March, sorry. March, and, yeah. And, and, and uh, March the 25th. And the day after, which is the 26th, we recorded a pod. And these were going off. On, you know, I, I don't think he was alone. I think I was right there. Yeah, with you were right, you were with him. I'll get to you. I'll get to you. And he, <laughs> and he brought up and he was questioning, you know, the 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 ethics, the morality around um, con contracts and 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 building cohesive team. Um, and and I agreed with him. I said, you know, it's a ruthless business when it comes down to it at times. But decisions have to be made, and we're bringing on Gary Trent, who's younger, who's less expensive in terms of contracts, and um, and can grow with this core. And lo and behold, you know, Norm Norm uh, signs a ninety plus million dollar contract, right, yep. in August, yep. which is great yep. for him. But then we have to ask ourselves if that's what the Toronto Raptors were going to sign him for. And I don't think that was going to be the case. Right. So um, so there's winning on, on both sides. You know, Norm gets his, you know, his, uh, his, his contract extension. And we, in return, get a, a, a budding, um, a pl talented player in Gary Trent, who's, who I don't, uh, even I underestimated his potential. Right. And so I didn't know how, how good he would really be, especially defensively. So, um, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, uh, um, I'm not going to, uh, you know, uh, slander anyone here. I mean, we all make mistakes. We, we all, you know, uh, don't uh, make the right types of calls. <laughs> I obviously have in my past. Um, but uh, but let's 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 give Gary Trent Jr. his flowers. Right. And. You know, and kudos to him, knowing full well that hey, if the Toronto Raptors are going to give up someone who's part who was part of the championship core for you, then the expectation is for you to do not just what he was doing, but he, and but probably even better, right? Being a better uh, spacer as a shooter and as well as a defender. Um, and Gary Trent has actually has been showing that, um, and I. I'm really – I mean, any talk, I think, even of him coming off the bench, I would dispute because he's such a great complementary to, uh, to Fred and to Pascal as a shooter, as someone who can also create off the dribble, which has been sometimes a difficult 
task for our roster. Um, so uh, kudos to Gary. Um, and uh, you're, you're, you're living up to your name and your father's legacy in Toronto. I just want, um, I don't know specifically enough, but I wonder for Norm, even though he got that contract, uh, what are his stats this year? Because I don't think he was ever really accepted when he went to Portland last year as part of their, their real core. Uh, he seemed always, he was the yeah. last option. So I just, where, yeah. where, is this been a step back for Norm in terms of his improvement? What, what are the Not stats? Really. I mean, his stats are 17, he's averaging 17.7 points um, in, in 26 games, seven, you know, just under 18 points, um, two assists, two re, you know, under three rebounds. Uh, he's always been a, a, a solid shooter right and as a, as a scorer so 46 from the field 40 from the three over 80 from the free throw line true shooting uh, percentage is 54 so he's doing exactly what he should the the re the question for me is more so the the complete circus that's happening in portland which is what are you doing with dame what are you doing with Mc, uh, mccullum uh, what direction are you going as an organization, right? So I felt them, it would make sense for them to keep Norm, start him at the two, and then trade C.J. McCollum for another piece. Yeah, That hasn't happened as, thus far, and I, I'm not – that's uh, – you know, you can't just tr – you know, trade – you know, trading assets doesn't just happen from, you know, the blink of an eye. I understand there's other variables, but that there's other – I'm glad that Norm got, it, got, got his payday. But I'm 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 almost sad that he's having to experience what he's having to uh, on on that uh, in that team and in that organization in light of all of the firings and resignations and uh, firestorm. Yeah, and and their record is worse than ours. They're thirteen and nineteen, where we're fourteen and fifteen. They've really underachieved. Yeah. yeah, underachieved. At one point, uh, they were they went one and nine over the course of about two and a half weeks. One uh, and nine, Goodness. one and nine, and you know somebody was in Africa on holidays. <laughs> hey, first of all, hey, I'm just going to bring up the fact, and I don't think he should have been on the uh, NBA 75, but he is on the NBA 75 list, and that's Damian Lillard, right? Right. If you have one of the top guys in the history of the league that that shouldn't be a record man i'm just right. going to put it out there and yeah. you can blame and you can blame everything you can blame uh you know the executives you can blame you know first you know first year coach uh chauncey billups um but at the end of the day man at the end of the day if you want that title of being one of the greats then you you're you have to deliver and and I'm not just saying that from thin air. I'm his, his numbers, statistically, his stat line is actually worse than it's it's been in in a significant while. And I think that so there's concerns on many levels. Yeah, in Portland. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel like Norm has uh, you know been boxed in more than with the Raptors, and that's the yeah. the difference with him and Gary. Gary's had more room to grow. Uh, now, 
I think there's no doubt Gary has already shown that he's a better defender than Norm ever was. It wasn't that Norm was a bad defender. He was an average defender. But Gary has shown that he can be elite in certain areas on the defensive end. And at this stage in his game, both his shot creation and his uh, ability to dribble and play make, he's definitely light years ahead of where Norm was even three years ago, right? Would you guys agree with that? I agree with anything you say. <laughs> and, and you know what else? When you have two intellectual individuals like yourself and Zaya, not to mention the fact that you guys performed and executed at a high level at the point guard position, I was a power nerd. Uh, I couldn't dribble and I couldn't shoot. So uh, I don't have those insights that you guys have. And it's wonderful to listen to your uh, ability to, to take the stats and uh, evaluate players. Appreciate that. Thank I'll you. I'll take Dad. the present in it. Um, yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's you know I'm I'm not you know we're talking about Nora because he's he's always he'll always be a Toronto Raptors at heart, right? And uh, uh, that's the sad case. But yes. going back, bringing it back to the Toronto Raptors, um, we're not we're not as as terrible as some of us think we are. And, right. Definitely not. Um, but the humbling factor is is that we're not as good as we think we are. Right. right? We're, 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 you know, uh, we, that loss against the, um, the, Nets. the OKC, OKC Thunder. I forget the yeah. Nets. Um, yeah. but the OKC Thunder, you know. Detroit Pistons. We're constantly losing to, you know, Dwayne, the Dwayne. DC. The Dwayne Casey curse or something. Oh, man. man. Um, How can you lose to somebody that bad? Or- <laughs> But uh, our record is for, we're fourteen and fifteen, you know, um, at, for tenth in the East. You know who's below us? The Atlanta Hawks, the New I York Knicks. Yeah. New York Knicks, uh, yeah, right. And you, you know who's just you know who's tied for for eight ahead of us? The Boston awesome. Celtics, the yeah. Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> so yeah. I, I mean, in light of our injuries and what our our, our the, yeah. what our goals were for this year yeah um i mean i'm we're i'm i'm i'm, I'm more my posture is you know is settled in hey you know what we'll, we'll get there in terms yeah. of where we need to be but our expectations are a player and team development and and we're going to be competitive right and yeah. uh and I know teams like the Charlotte Hornets and the Cleveland Cavaliers are not going to maintain their um, their standings in the East. I, I, I just it's just a matter of time where they come back to earth. So uh, I think I think the Eastern Conference is going to uh, rejig itself in a, in a matter of you know a month or so. Very true. I I agree. When you take a step back and you look at the big picture, both for our team this year and where we thought we'd be and who's doing what on our squad, exceeding expectations and whatnot. And then you look at the East and the the teams who are supposed to be more favored in that kind of four, five, six slots. uh, You don't feel bad at all that we're sitting half a game back of the Celtics and Sixers. Hey, would you, would you want to be, a, you know, a, not just a fan, but, 
you know, let's look at it from this stand, you know, standard point, uh, vantage point, sorry. You know, you sign someone like uh, Campbell Walker and you have to now bench him because he's he, he's actually not able to execute your defensive schemes, right, in the New York Knicks. Like, we're talking about starting point guard Campbell Walker, right? I know he got some minutes last night, but that's an that's 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 um that's an exception to what actually has been happening. Do you want to be the Philadelphia 76ers who their max player point guard extraordinaire Ben Simmons has yet to report on the, you know on the court for them or hasn't played a regular season game, right? One of your max players is not playing basketball, right? It's 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 concerning, and you want to compete in the East? Goodness gracious, you can't even compete in Philadelphia. I think, you know what I mean? Like, I'd, if I was a 76ers fan, I'd be following the Villanova flyers. Wildcats more than the, the Sixers because it's exhausted. Or the Flyers, yeah, man. Like, goodness gracious, hashtag Lindros is a boss. <laughs> you, you also have uh, the only coach in NBA history to blow 3-3-1 three, three, leads in a playoff series, that doesn't look too good either. I, I don't know who it was in a podcast this week I was listening to, but all the fingers are pointing to Ben Simmons. I, I think the yeah. issue, we have to point the finger at Doc Rivers, man. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one that marginalized Ben and threw him to the Wolves after yeah. they got eliminated in the playoffs last year, which as a coach, goodness gracious, that's unprofessional and, and, and unethical, to be quite honest. Um, mm. So I... I I put my money with Ben Simmons more than I would put my money with Doc Rivers to, right. to lead me to the promised land. Right. Uh, well, uh, we I'm aware of the time and I'm also aware of the season. And I thought uh, that it would be wise of us not just to wrap things up, but maybe put a couple gifts under the tree. And I thought we could talk about a bit of a Chris, Christmas wish list for this season, we're, we're about to come into the Christmas break. We've got two games before Christmas, and then uh, we get about three or four days off, which is great. But what are one or two things you're hoping is under the tree from, from Santa this year for the Toronto Raptors? Lots of change, lots of promise, but what, what are one or two things that you're wanting uh, as a gift for the Raptors this year? Injury-free second half. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yep, yep. That's first and foremost, eh? Any anything else from you, Dad? One more, maybe. Uh, I don't want to harp on it. Okay. But can we replace the three blind people with some service animals <laughs> and stick whistles in their mouths? Yes. For who, who would be seeing eye dogs? What a tr what a travel is. What wow. A, what a three second is, what what the, a carry is like. Have the NBA uh, executive said to the officiating staff, "Right, uh, we don't know what's happened to you, but we need to replace you with service animals." Right, or just give them the service animals that the dogs tug on the referee's arms to indicate when it's time to blow the whistle. Is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to. I, I don't want to harp on that issue. 
Zaya, is there uh, anything you want under the tree for the Toronto Raptors? No, I, I, echo, uh, I echo uh, the same. Uh, I would want to see a healthy roster. Right, right. Um, through and through. Uh, helps for us to then enjoy the, you know, the, 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 our, our, the, the team makeup a lot better. And then also for us to evaluate, right, in terms of yeah. the potential of the team. Um, but if there is another, I'll ask for three gifts. So that's one. The wow. second one is a home for Drogic, right? Let's yeah. just, you know, uh, and I don't want to buy him out. I don't believe in that. No. So you right. either fulfill your, 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 your commitment or, or it is what it is. Um, but you know, to see him in a trade, to bring in a young, um, a young big. Yeah. Um, to fill up that rot, that front court. And I uh, would like to see more um, end game scenarios and opportunities be given to Scotty Barnes. Right. Um, wow. Yeah. Nick, if Nick Nurse can gift me that, I will. I won't ask for anything else for the rest of the season. Just to touch on Dragic, if Dragic doesn't get traded by January 1st, if we're into 2022 and he's still in Miami and we haven't dealt him somewhere else, is it okay to start calling him Alonzo Mourning? <laughs> the, Slo- the Slovenian Alonzo Mourning? Wow. Uh, one thing on my Christmas wish list, we've talked about point guards, we've talked about getting Fred some rest and – uh, I think Delano has, has done well. I think obviously he has a long way to go, which is fine. Malachi, I think he's struggled. Spee has struggled. Is it time to ask Santa for more minutes for Earl Watson as a backup point guard? Wow. Wow. <laughs> Our assistant coach, former UCLA Bruin, former NBA player, Earl Watson. You have no, you have no belief in uh, Delano. I do. I'm just thinking, like you know, we need to get Fred off the court more, and I don't know. If Delano... is, no, the, to me, the solution is to give those uh, backup minutes either to Delano or, if not, Scotty. I I really think he can run a half court um, offense better than Malachi Flynn. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. No, I I would agree. Yeah, and so. Um, and if uh, if I can add one more, you know, something in this, if not under the, the tree, maybe in the stockings, um, more opportunity for Malachi Flynn in the, in the 905. Like he right. needs to learn how to run an offense in the half court mm-hmm. rather than just looking out for his shot. It's just, it's not sustainable in this league of talent, right? I don't care how good you think you are and who, what your father tells you or whispers in your ear, right? Um, this is This is the NBA, man. And you're gonna yeah. and you if you want to put have a long career, you're gonna have to learn how to be a playmaker and make your players better. And if yeah. you can't do that in the whining seconds uh, or minutes, sorry, against the Santa Cruz Warriors, and you're still just looking for your shot, or against the Sacramento Kings, um, I'm sorry, man, you cannot be a you can't even forget starter in the NBA. You can't be a solid backup in the NBA, right? Yeah. So um, those are harsh words, but I wish him well. Yeah. Uh, there was one other uh, wish list item that we talked about uh, off air that uh, I'll mention before we forget. 
Uh, Zai, you had mentioned this and we all echoed uh, that this was a, a great gift to ask for. Can we get Jack and Matt back on the broadcast? Oh, oh my gosh, yes. Oh my gosh. We are desperate. I mean, I like Eric Smith as a human being. I like him as a guy who who gives you updates on the sidelines. I, I appreciate Paul Jones's uh, legacy as an Oakwood graduate and as a did he graduate? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure he did. I'm pretty sure he's a teacher. So he must have graduated teacher coach. But he, he's, he's a great kind of father figure for Toronto basketball. Uh, but we can't have these guys and Leo be on there anymore. Matt and Jack got to come back. And goodness gracious, last night, talk about Christmas coming early. Kia Nurse and Kayla Gray leading the broadcast. Oh, they were fantastic. I don't even need Leo as a, as a third wheel. Uh, Kia and Kayla Gray can hold their own. That would be another uh, wish list. TSN, if you're listening, first of all, Jurassic Views is ready to be on Ottawa, <laughs> Ottawa radio. But secondly, uh, Kia, Kayla, Jack and Matt have to be back in the new year. Kudos, any other, kudos. Absolutely. absolutely. Any other absolutely. final comments? Uh, well, one last uh, question to you guys is as the as there are health and safety protocols being implemented uh, and what do you do you think there will be a, an administrative pause to the games uh, in the new year if there's this you know you know kind of momentum of players not being available for games um, do you think there will be a, a period where there will have to pause games because uh, we've already reduced uh, arena capacities, or at least here in, in, in Toronto, I can't speak of any other. No, the states, aren't, the states aren't doing They're that. They're not doing that, exactly. So uh, do, do, we, do you think we, we, we can sustain um, the wave and the impact of uh, the variant that's impacting the league or the league, the league is just going to be like, hey, man, revenue – uh, the revenue stream is just too important. We're gonna, we're gonna head steam ahead. We've already got the example of the NHL. Like, I I don't know uh, if it's going to be different for the NBA. Why it would be, I I don't know. So I think there's going to be more schedule breaks of right, some right, kind right. or or postponed. Rescheduled, yeah, rescheduled. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I think. Um, that it's likely wise for the health of the players uh, after Christmas. There's no way they're canceling the Christmas games. They're just too much money to, to make. But if, if uh, after Christmas they do take two weeks, I think that would be wise for the health of the players. But I will say this, that if my daughter is uh, in lockdown and she is on uh, online schooling again, all the kids in Ontario come home, uh, for, you know, the month of January because the numbers have gone up in Ontario so much. Gosh, I hope they don't shut the NBA down during that time. I need something. <laughs> need an outlet. I need something. And please, you. please, if, if there is a January lockdown, please, Clay, we need you to come back oh, for, yeah. for January 1st, 2022, my man. <laughs>
Well, I think that's probably a good spot to, to end it. Uh, it has been a ton of fun uh, having you back, Zaya. It's been a real joy to have both you and my father back, Brian Diamond, Zaya Quiana, in a reunion together. Uh, that's exactly what I asked for for Christmas, so I got my Christmas gift at least. It's been an intellectual what, what's the right word? I, I've got to come up with like like a bonus to have Zaya with his insights and comments. It's a Christmas bonus. It's a Christmas <laughs> bonus. Wow. I appreciate it, guys. Um, always great to jump on the pod with you. Glad to be back. Um, looking forward to uh, a festive season ahead of us and uh, wishing uh, all our listeners uh, to keep well and uh, right and healthy and to find some form of enchantment in this season. And, and yes. even if there's uh, some, some blues <clears throat> uh, in, the, in our midst. And hopefully that enchantment is more than 10 minutes long. Thanks everybody <laughs> for listening. We'll catch up on a confessional next Sunday. Peace everybody. <laughs>